0: Temple Israel is, I think, the longest standing, probably the oldest Jewish religious institution in Westport, Connecticut, which now has company with some others. Rabbi Michael Friedman is the rabbi there. He spoke at the Solidarity Gathering on Monday, October 9th, immediately after the Hamas assault in Israel, and he joins us now. Rabbi Michael Friedman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Rabbi.
2: Lisa, hi. Good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: It's really a pleasure. So, Rabbi, why don't you tell me, as a rabbi, uh, as a religious leader in our community, tell me a little bit about what the last 10 days have been like for you.
2: Mm. They have been the busiest 10 days of my entire career. Um, our community woke up on October 7th to the shock and horror of this terrorist attack, and since then have proceeded through an entire range of emotion. I mean, the shock and horror continues as we learn and more and hear more stories, um, and receive new news of hostages now being found dead, as you just mentioned. Um, there's deep concern among many of our congregants. Um, there's fear, um, and and most most significantly, what I would want. Uh, those outside the Jewish community to know is that, you know, we all feel a, a degree of uh, empathy and support when there's some sort of disaster or violence um, someplace, uh, whether nearby or far away. We try to do what we can to help, but in those situa- and in those situations, we feel empathy for for them, for those people who are who have suffered. For this, in this situation, it's not a them; it's us um we american jews feel deeply connected to israel perhaps in a way that no other uh, group of americans feels connected to another country um and we feel that way because both because judaism is far more than a religion we are a, uh, we're an ethnic group we're a cultural group where we use the word a people we're a people uh with bonds that transcend time and space um and beyond that we're a people who has continually through the centuries through the millennia been persecuted and so for those reasons we feel like this is not something that happened to other people far away we feel like this is something that happened to us this is something that happened to our own brothers and sisters and families and friends yeah
0: so it's very close to home it's very
2: personal for us
0: It is. And it's personal, even if you don't happen to have family or friends in Israel. I I read a beautiful, beautiful essay by somebody who calls herself a quiet American, a woman named Heather. I can't remember her last name. And she says that she's a quiet American. She doesn't really have family in Israel anymore. She doesn't particularly have friends there. But when she read about this on Saturday, it hit her in a way that was so unexpectedly emotional. She was struggling to find the intellectual words to connect with her emotion.
1: Yeah,
2: that's I think I read the same thing. It was forwarded to me uh, being a quiet American Jew. And part of what mm-hmm. her what she vowed is she doesn't want to be qu- quiet about her Judaism anymore. She wants to be more uh, public, forward, outspoken. And interestingly, that is a ray of light that we are seeing within the Jewish community. Um I personally have seen along along with the concern and the fear, just a, a surge in a desire to engage. We've had so many people coming into our building we've had a uh, great desire for uh, congregants to schedule baby namings and weddings really? and things that they put off really? absolutely. We've had people wanting to join our congregation they've they, they put off joining the congregation or they had left the congregation they want to rejoin. Um, there's this great surge of uh, uh, desire and pride in Jewish life.
0: Now that's very interesting. So while uh, there is sadness and grief, there is a reaffiliation and determination.
2: I think those, I think determination is a great term. I think there's pride uh, even amidst the sadness and the grief and suffi- suffice it to say that there's no there, there is not a single Jew on earth who would have chosen for it to be this way. No, um, but it never. is a it is a uh, one of, of a few rays of light in a very dark time for us.
0: Rabbi Friedman, I've been asked about whether or not Israelis want to leave and come here for safety and security. Rabbi Friedman, what, if anything, have you heard about that?
2: I've not heard that. Um, I know there are a number of Israelis in the United States who've made it back to Israel in order to serve in, in their reserve units in the IDF. Um, that I've heard much more about Israelis going the other direction.
0: Yeah, me too. That's why I was wondering if I was missing something because I have not. I, have, I happen to have a lot of family and friends there, even people with little ones. And the offer I have extended, I have said to Zahavid, who's coming on the show in an hour, you know, if you want to send Libby to me, she's only 10. It's okay. I'll be with her until this thing is better. And so far, no, Mm-mm. they're hanging together. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. That's what Israelis do. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that is what they do. So Rabbi Friedman, uh, I understand there is a, a vigil in Westport on Sunday. Do you know anything about it?
2: There is a vigil on, in Westport Sunday, 6 p.m. at Jessup Green, Um it's part of the Bring Them Home uh, movement. There's a there's a whole movement among the American Jewish community and, and our friends and allies as well um, f- for the hostages, um, over 200 hostages, as you know, as you've mentioned, Lisa, on your show. Um, Jewish hostages, Israeli hostages are in Gaza as we speak, and um, we want everyone, our own community, our friends and allies here, and, and our friends and allies in Israel to know that we are 100% with the hostages, praying for the hostages and doing everything we can to help them come home safely.
0: Uh, rabbi Friedman, I know that you are, um, you're, as a rabbi, you're a teacher, and as a member of the clergy, the clergy that I respect are people that are always praying for peace and for goodwill and for tolerance and understanding of all kinds of faiths. And I'm sure that that's exactly who you are. And in fact, that solidarity service was a testament to so many religious leaders in our community who showed up who were not Jewish. Yeah. Uh, but what do you have to say personally about what seems to be the taking sides here in America, the, what's going on on our college campuses, the 300 people that stormed into the U.S. Capitol were arrested yesterday, what do you think about all this as an American?
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Uh-huh.
2: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: We religious leaders are very familiar with the, the principle that we have to have a moral code. That... Morality cannot be relative. I have spoken and written to our congregation over the past uh, 10 or so days about the sin of moral equivalence. And what moral equivalence is is the, is the, the but or the and in the conversation about Israel. Um, it's the attempt to place some degree of responsibility on Israel for this Hamas terrorist attack. Um, as if, you know, Israeli policy, as, as difficult and as, as difficult as it may have been over the years and decades, somehow justifies the cold-blooded murder of civilians, of soldiers, of women and children, of the elderly, etc. And I think it's a, very, it's a very slippery slope. It's very dangerous when we get into conversations that seem to create a moral equivalence. Um, between Israel's actions and Hamas's actions. Um, you know, ju- I mean, there's so much to say on this, but, you know, I, there, I think there's a few things that we need to continue, we've made clear and we need to continue to make clear. The IDF never targets civilians or civilian institutions. The IDF, in fact, uses its technological uh, prowess to figure out the most effective ways to accomplish its goals while doing the least possible harm to any civilians or any civilian institutions. On the other hand, Hamas not only takes hostages, which the IDF never would do, never does, but they then use the hostages as human shields. And worse, not just they use Jewish-Israeli hostages as human shields, Hamas is known for using its own women and children and elderly and sick as human shields for their terrorist organizations and it's of course it's not just hamas it's their cousins in hezbollah in isis etc 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 so israel and the idf abide by international law have rules and laws and procedures that govern their own conduct in war and if there were to be a case there have been cases historically where um the the, the IDF's own rules of engagement have not been complied with there are ways that Israel and the IDF holds its soldiers and its officers accountable. That does not happen on the other side. So this is really, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with a situation of one side, which observes international laws and ethics on the other side, which continually, which has, which has no boundaries of, of laws and ethics. And I think this is something that we need very, very clearly to keep in mind.
0: You know, Rabbi Michael Friedman, I, uh, I I keep harping on this because it was such an extraordinary 24 hours about this hospital story, how quickly the world was to blame Israel and the repercussions of blaming Israel in a nanosecond. The canceling of King Abdullah's, you know, um, his uh, meeting with President Biden, the starting of all these riots around the world. And even in the United States, and I just saw 2000 actors, the New York Post just published 2000 actors and musicians, very famous names, people who love Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, they're going to recognize these names, signing a letter holding Israel responsible for all of this. Okay, you know, 10 days ago, Israel got attacked, but Israel's responsible for all of this. In the meantime, Israel is still being faced with a hail of rockets. If they didn't have the Iron Dome and now the Iron Laser, which is, you know, they love their, their, their laser beam. If they didn't have these highly technological defensive weapons, Israel would have been decimated a long time ago.
2: So that's true. I, I neglected to mention that Hamas has, has fired tens of thousands of rockets right. over the course of years right. into Israel and done it indiscriminately, not aiming at military targets, aiming at any any part of Israel, civilians, civilian institutions, etc, etc, etc. So this is nothing new for Hamas. This is exactly how they have always operated. um and and we of course have seen you know historically that it it takes only a nanosecond for world opinion to turn against israel i'm not at all even with the horror of these attacks i'm not surprised at how quickly it's turned against israel i especially hold uh journalistic entities which have should have much higher standards responsible for the uh gaza hospital reporting you mean like Um, the new york
0: times which right away believed the gaza reporting and didn't even bother to check You mean like the New York Times? I wrote to the New York Times. You did. Good for you. I wrote to the New
2: York Times. uh, I and my message was uh, basically, I I expect more of the. I mean, I'm putting it much more mildly than I put it on the email, (laughs) but I expect much more from the New York Times. Mm I am sure that Hamas does not qualify as a uh, as a uh, uh, reliable journalistic source without some other. Uh, secondary source to back up what uh, their claims.
0: But the bigger um, story, Rabbi, stunned. I'm glad that you wrote them. But the bigger story, the real story, is that underneath that hospital were thousands and thousands of explosions and bombs. Now, who does that? I mean, that's the story. Here's the enemy up close and personal. You want to focus on the tragedy of a hospital destroyed? No, nobody is going to be happy about people in a hospital and doctors and nurses getting killed trying to help people that are sick and injured. Okay. No, no human being that's rational or moral at all is happy about that. But look who the enemy is. They put explosives under the hospital. That's a front page story to me. That tells you all you need to know.
2: Hamas has long used civilian institutions, um, hospitals, schools, mosques as, uh, you know, as uh, and and, um, built underneath them all sorts of uh, terrorist uh, network apparatus. Um, They've done it specifically because they know that the IDF has certain rules of engagement. Um, And so and in this case, the the evidence uh, seems very clear that this was a uh, failed rocket launch, uh, in this case, not from the hospital itself, but from nearby, near the hospital by, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a, 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 another, uh, terror, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel terrorist group, um, and that a rocket launch failed and part of the rocket hit the parking lot of the hospital. Um, it's unclear how many deaths, uh, resulted. And of course, we would mourn any innocent loss of life. But we need to be clear that this is this was not Israel's responsibility.
0: Rabbi Michael Friedman of Temple Israel. Thank you very much for joining us today. You're Certainly welcome back on the show. I look forward to seeing you in my own community. Thank you very much for coming on today.
2: Thank you for having me, Lisa.
0: Rabbi Michael Friedman of Temple Israel in Westport. We'll be right back.